From years of anxiety to warrior and mentor, Bradley Robinson created the Anxiety Project to help you end your anxiety naturally. Let's mold the new you and let's end anxiety together. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome to 2024. Happy New Year. It's been a great year. A lot of breakthroughs I've noticed with you guys, uh, along with the people I've met via one-on-one coaching. Awesome progress. And I'm really grateful for you being here, rating the podcast, rating the videos, commenting, being a part of this recovery community. It's really big. Uh, It's growing and it's awesome to just have a community of people that are like-minded and who just want to change and progress forward. That's it. It's great. If you haven't already, please go over to Spotify, rate and review the podcast. It takes two seconds and it'll help spread the message to other people who are suffering because suffering is the norm nowadays. It's so easy. Depression, anxiety, it's at an all-time high. Let's keep this momentum moving forward. And I'm excited for the content and the, the, the knowledge that I'm going to present to you in this coming year. So stay tuned and thank you again. So today we have a Q&A episode. I'm really excited because we're diving into great questions you guys sent us, questions pertaining to not feeling motivated when you wake up in the morning or strategies for negative thinking or feeling like you have wasted time and you're behind in life. This is so big for so many people. A lot of people come to me in their 30s and 40s saying how much time they've wasted and battling anxiety and how much it just took over so much of their life. So what can one do about it? How can we perceive um, our journey moving forward now that we're awakened to the fact that we've spent a lot of time in this unawakened, unmotivated, and unconscious state of mind? It is very startling, but there is a way around this, so stay tuned. And then also I'm diving into a topic pertaining to anxiety in children and around school because I myself suffer from anxiety in school, but I get questions pertaining to someone else's child who is dealing with anxiety in school. So that is going to be an interesting topic to dive into. First, I have a question from Laura. Every morning I feel unmotivated, what can I do to shift this? So Laura, thanks for the question. And first of all, your brain is not working. Well, it's it's working for your best interest, but it's not working to for your for what's best. It thinks what's best for you is to take the easy road because that uses up a lot of mental energy and it it, it it requires much attention and focus. And so that's a very complicated thing because the unknown is a conglomeration of potential. And to unpack this potential requires you to do something you just don't want to do. There's resistance always involved with meaning, right? Because 
what brings a lot of meaning to people's lives is responsibility. But without that responsibility, and usually the responsibility is of things that you do not want to do. You'd rather sit on the couch and, you know, watch TV. But when you are productive in that area, what what emerges from that is uh, you you reshape the world around you, but you also reshape your own mind. And that's interesting because a lot of people don't know where to start on the recovery journey. And I say, look locally, look around you. What can you do in your own environment to help just better your day-to-day? And I mean messes around your house. I mean papers that are unorganized. I mean... uh, the floor that is unvacuumed, right? That I mean, the sock drawer that is full of loose socks. I mean, so many people think that they're going to get the meaning through their impulsive desires, like the easy road. That's what it really is. It's like in Pinocchio, Pleasure Island, every, you can just get everything you want, cotton candy, amusement park rides, smokes, uh, alcohol. Yeah. Everything that you desire, you can obtain, but the more you indulge in these desirous desires, then the more you turn into a brain jackass, like we see with Pinocchio and Lampwick, right? Remember Lampwick and in that movie where he's the more unconscious he becomes, the more he turns into this braying jackass. And that's essentially what happens to people. The more you just sleep in and neglect responsibility, the more you turn into a braying jackass. And Pinocchio catches on. This is what's so cool about Pinocchio is that he actually awakens to the fact that he's shaping, he's forming himself into that braying jackass. He's starting to grow ears and a tail and he awakens. He's shocked by this and a lot of people do. Like a lot of people who remain in this unconscious state, they are they they are bewildered. They they open their eyes and it's like PTSD really. It's a it's a, for, a form of trauma where they awaken to that fact that oh no, I've spent so much of my existence in this unconscious state and so much time has passed and it shocks them and they don't know what to do because it traumatizes them. They they suffer from anxiety. It's like the snake coming into the Garden of Eden or it's like the Siddhartha story, the Buddha story where he awakens to the realities of existence. It, shock, it shakes your core. And, and so what I say, Laura, to understand that meaninglessness is to understand that there's no goals in the immediate future, right? And it's really important to have these goals, even if the goals are so localized, right? They're they're like, I'm going to clean up this part of the house today. I'm going to vacuum. I'm going to sort these papers out. I'm going to clean the car. It's like just having simple goals like that is actually going to cause positive emotion. It will. Because when I was starting my anxiety recovery, I was suffering from agoraphobia and I had to start in my immediate surroundings. I had, I was cleaning the car and after I cleaned the car, I was like, man, I felt good. And so that dopamine kick is a very, it's motivation because the dopamine kick provides you with energy and it, it, it shifts your 
gaze to the next kick of that dopamine. And it's like, what, what else can I do? Oh, I can clean up this. It's like, once you do something that you don't want to do, it makes everything else that you didn't want to do before more manageable. So you start with one thing that you don't want to do. It motivates you to do something else that you don't want to do because you're actually sorting the snakes out of your life, right? And that's massive because the messy room is like a bunch of snakes and that causes you negative emotion. Obstacles that get in the way, obstacles that get in the way of your goal-directed behavior causes negative emotion. And so it the messy room awakens you. The messy car you know, it awakens you, man. It's like it, it, you start to ignore the mess over time if you practice this, but the snakes are always there. You're just going to feel this uneasiness. When you look around the car, you're just going to feel an uneasiness, mess, right? Mess. And so, yes, I recommend that you start locally. I recommend that you start with simple goals, attainable goals that are around you. And then continue these goals every day until they you realize that they're becoming more and more sophisticated, more and more complicated. I mean, for me, it started out with cleaning and then eventually got to the point where I was going to the library and I was looking up jobs, you know, fixing my resume. You know, my goal was go to the library, fix up my resume today, and that's it. But then once I noticed, once I fixed up my resume, my brain would do that dopamine thing, it would, I'd get that kick and then I would go, well, if I, now that I completed my resume, I feel good, goal completed, positive emotion, maybe I should apply to a job now and then I would apply to a job. So I'd actually, over time, just slightly rise above the, the goals that I would set for myself. And the more you do this, man, the more progress you will feel. And I, th- I want to I wanna connect this question with the one from Mac 22, because he says he's feeling behind in life. And I had these feelings too, Mac. So believe me, they're all too calm, especially in, in today's day and age when we can play video games and it can literally transport us away from reality. But the problem with the game is that you always have to come back into reality. Once you put your head onto the pillow, you realize that you, well, whatever you've been neglecting behind the scenes will come up. But also I noticed with myself that if I would play video games or, you know, indulge, then I real I, I noticed that my anxiety was bad because I wasn't taking care of the excess energy I was producing because as a man, I have a lot of testosterone, I have a lot of adrenaline, and I have a lot of, my energy gets built up and I realize over two days without exercise, I get overly tense and agitated. I just know that about myself. So I am aware that if I don't go to the gym at least three to four times a week, then it gets a little too out of control and my anxiety gets too out of control and my anger. So so just realizing that about myself, I understand that when people spend a lot of time playing video games, after the game, it's fun, but when you put your head onto the pillow and you can't sleep, maybe you should have worked out at one point. Maybe you should have meditated at one point so that your body is not, you know, it's not growing in weeds, 
right? I look at the mind-body as something that can be overgrown. It's like if you don't attend to the garden, it will overgrow. So a lot of the time people, I notice, spend their day-to-day in this unconscious way of being. And culture helps facilitate this because culture you know, pushes us into the things that seem meaningful on the surface, but behind the scenes only keep us agitated agitated and wanting more. But I I feel like once you awaken to the fact that time has passed and you haven't pursued much, like if you go on Facebook and you see other people buying a house or, you know, buying a car or starting a family or getting the job that they wanted, something inside of you goes, it's, it's the conscience that, has, that hasn't manifested its full potential. That's what it is. And when I read in David Goggins' book, Can't Hurt Me, when he, Goggins was 300 pounds at his home, he was depressed. There was no meaning in his life. He was working a job he didn't like. And he he heard on the TV the Navy SEALs going through boot camp. And then it something inside of him was interested. And we all get this interested. It's like out of our control, right? It's like potential somewhere in our life will shine. And then it'll, it'll you know, it'll make us look and what's like, what's going on. It could be somebody on YouTube. It could be somebody on TV. It could be somebody, you know, where it's like something inside of you is like, it's like Cain from Cain and Abel, right? Cain sees all the potential in Abel and Abel is like, what's potential potential can be a very harsh judge because when somebody is really stretching themselves into success, in, into success, I think, they the, the more success, the harsher the judge. And I feel like the feeling of that bitterness that arises when you meet somebody and they're like doing so much better than you, that feeling is is the the judge according to the potential they've manifested and the lack of potential you've manifested. And I think that's so fascinating because now you can go two ways. You can entertain the bitterness and say, screw them, you know, I don't like them, or like Cain, or... You can learn from them because in Cain and Abel, Abel is making these great sacrifices to God. He's sacrificing his prized meats. And Cain, he's making sacrifices, but they're not as sufficient. So in modern day times, a great sacrifice to a 20-year-old boy would be sacrificing their Xbox right? Like who knows what you can manifest if you give up something you value so deeply. But back then, think about it. You give up, you burn away your prized meat to God. That's a great sacrifice because meat is of high quality. It's valued. More nutrition, 
more satiation from meat than what Cain is offering up. And so Cain decides to shake his fist at his brother rather than you know, say, hey, come over here. What are you doing that I'm not doing? I'm insufficient. And that's a hard thing to do, by the way, to admit to yourself that you could be doing a lot better, that you, you have a lot to learn, that you have to make great sacrifices. I mean, and you have to start from square one, man, because that is no damn joke. Because pe- those people who are successful, they all had to start from square one. But the success you're seeing is this outer onion of many months and years of diligence, discipline, and sacrifice. But the thing with you, Mac, is it doesn't matter what age you are. To It's a battle between you and your old self. That's what it is. It's easy to compare yourself to Abel. It's easy to compare yourself to your next door neighbor or to your friend. But what about yourself? What if you decided to work towards bettering you and to prove your own self wrong? And so this requires you to set goals and aims It requires you to spend time with yourself. So you have to make a sacrifice of the Xbox to spending time with yourself. You have to make the sacrifice of going out to the bar and then working on something at home, like maybe working on a course, working on um, just, you know, going to the gym. So it's always going to require difficulty, responsibility, requires doing something that you do not like. And so Cain needed to go to war with himself, and he didn't. He didn't open his eyes to his own insufficiencies, his own faults, and admit that the, what his actions are what's producing the lack of meaning, the lack of quality in his own life and there is a formula to get there this is why i created the podcast and my youtube channel is to give you the formula and that's also why i created my anxiety recovery program because i it was unbelievable to me that once i started to sacrifice the smoking weed with the friend to just doing a program i realized that i was actually giving back to myself in ways that i never ever could have imagined. Like I I saw myself progressing mentally. Like I saw myself doing things that I wouldn't usually do. And it surprised me in so many positive ways. And this is, I can't stress this enough. So Mac, I want you to replay this episode over again. I want you to understand that no matter where you are in life, it's meant to be. God is, there's a story in the Bible where Abraham was like 80 and he's still living in his parents' tent. 
right? Literally that kind of a person living in the basement of their mother's home eating Cheetos, but he's 80 years old. And I love this story because it represents that no matter what age you're at, once you awaken to the fact that you're 80 and you've ruined so much of your life, it's like, great, it's going to be a really rough ride to burn all those parts of you that just aren't working, but it's a great adventure. It's like Bilbo Baggins, right? The great adventure of his life showing up at his door. And he's like, no, I don't want to go on this adventure, but something's beckoning to him, the potential, right? Of You know, it's you can stay here, you eat all your bread and drink all your wine and smoke all of your tobacco. That's great. You've been doing that for 50, 80 years. But once that, once you're a once you start to look into potential, look the hell out, man, because that will be the greatest adventure of your life. And then I want to go on to Marty's question. He says, strategies for negative thinking. Now, Marty, I just released a video online. Or was it a podcast? I can't. Yeah, it was a podcast. It was last week's podcast, You Versus Your Thoughts. So I'm not going to go into this in extraordinary detail. But when it comes to your negative thinking, it's really important to know that it's this, it's this internal relationship between you and your conscience. So imagine you practicing a certain way of thinking and reacting to the the thought. So what does that reaction mean? Well, you're reacting in a way where you are treating the thought as if it's a theory, a serious entity, that it is you generating the thought and that it, because it's you generating the thought, it requires you to be startled because why would one think that thought? And then you would pick yourself apart like mad because of you. And then but the more you entertain that thought, the more it will stick around. That's the thing. It's like a 10-year-old child barking in your ear. And are you going listen, to listen to that child? Is it irrational or rational? So I view this thought, the negative thought, as a separate entity. Because the more you separate yourself from the thought, the more you can view it as something separate from you. So in the Pinocchio story, the cricket, Jiminy Cricket, he is the conscience. But at the beginning of the movie, he's spouting off, he's spouting off incoherent sentences that he thinks are sophisticated to the Blue Fairy, but make no sense to the Blue Fairy, to himself, and to Pinocchio, right? But that's the thing. When your relationship between you and your conscience is not developed and there's no separation that you and your conscience are uh, of one thing, then you believe anything that comes out of your mouth. You just believe the ideology. But once you realize that you don't really know much, there's too much of what you don't understand and so little of what you know that once Pinocchio starts to venture out into the unknown, he starts to develop. And what do you know? His conscience starts to develop as well. Because 
With less life experience, Pinocchio is a wooden-headed puppet marionette controlled by the strings of society, right? And that's right, like me. Like when I was a, a puppet-like figure in my 20s, me and my conscience were of like one thing. It was just naivety. Um, I was bl willfully blind. I wasn't wise. I wasn't well-educated. I didn't have much life experience. But once I started to develop into anxiety recovery and go out into the unknown and really attack my fears, I started to develop. But then my conscience started to develop as well. And that is very interesting. And then I realized that there would be this voice in my head telling me not to do things I knew would be in my best interest. So going out into an environment where I had a panic attack before, my unconscious, my conscience would say, don't go out there. But I knew it was the place I needed to go because there would be this other voice below this conscience saying, you need to go out there. And Goggins, David Goggins said this in an interview. He said, when he was living in so much comfort, there would be this voice saying, no, 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 the answers lie in the darkness. The answers lie in the muck. You need to go there. What is that voice? I view that voice as God. I view that voice as potential, God potential, same thing. It's what could manifest itself. It's the round chaos it's the snitch from harry potter it's it's what it, it's pandora's box you open it at your peril but it will change you it will develop you and it's and that's what's so cool about the snitch is that it's a glowing ball it's a gold ball that glimmers right and that's the thing potential glimmers it's like the Cain and Abel story. Abel is the thing that glimmers to Cain, but instead of, you know, acknowledging the fact that it's this thing that, if explored, could actually manifest itself properly to towards God and to get the meaning that he actually deep down wants, he decides to push that away and entertain the bitterness to re remain in a set mindset kind of way, in a state, set mindset state. So going back to the negative thought, below this kind of childlike 10-year-old voice telling you, no, don't go in there. No, don't do this. No, don't do that. What if this happens? What if that happens? And usually it's images, usually it's words. If you get a thought really horrific, maybe pertaining to someone that you love, oh, what if they get this disease? I hope they get this disease, right? Sometimes your brain will be like, it plays on your worst fears. So say, you know, someone you love, you know, you're, you're awake to the realities of life. This person that you love could actually die, right? And it's horrifying. And then the mind plays on that and says, yeah, what if they die of this? But... But this is huge. If there's anything you can take away from this podcast or my channel, this would be one of them. This is so big. Instead of entertaining that 
horrific thought, I want you to ask yourself and really mean it. Do I really want this? And then there will be this other voice that pops up and it will say, no. And then I say, what is that voice that popped up? That's your true voice. And then I feel relieved because this other kind of childlike voice was run rampant. But this other voice that feels deeper and more meaningful, it emerged with truth. God, potential, truth, all of the same. That's truth. You don't really want that. It's fear. Fear is the one producing that childlike voice. It's the reality of life producing that childlike voice. And the reality of life is the snake. The snake that startles you. The snake that offers you the apple and you take a bite of the apple of knowledge and it awakens you. The snake, the predatory entity, awakens you to reality. So that voice pertaining to your child dying is, well, the apple awakening you to reality. But the thing about the thought is that you don't know the difference between what's real and what's imagined. So the thought is going to produce a negative emotion. Sure, it produces a negative emotion, but it's up to you to decide how long you're going to entertain that thought. It's up to you to question that thought. It's up to you to look at this thought as something else other than yourself. It's this other voice, the voice of fear, the voice the irrational voice, the childlike voice. Thank you, Marty, for the great question. The last one I want to dive into briefly is how do you deal with an anxious child about school? A child who's very anxious about going to school, and this one was from Lillian. Thank you, Lillian. First of all, it's an abstract question because the devil's in the details, first of all. What's going on at school that's making the child anxious? But with any human being, we have to feel the emotion, which requires you to spend quality time with yourself. But, you know, you can be with your child and facilitate that quality time with your child. Instead of saying to them, well, it'll be fine to your child. It'll be okay. You got this. There are little bits of encouragement, but it's not going to solve the underlying problem because the child internally must feel like, well, I don't feel fine. And it's not fine. It's like saying there's no monsters in the dark. Well, of course there's monsters in the dark. That's a stupid question. 
And then I want the, you know, a great thing to do would ask them and draw a picture of your emotions pertaining to school. That'd be good. Or tell, ask them to localize it in their body. Where do you feel the emotion? Is it here? Point to a part of your body where you feel the emotion. And then the more you get them to talk it out, the more they can unpack the problem because the problem is like winged chaos. The problem is full of, is like a ball of potential. You have to confront it and unpack it so that you, they can release the emotion, right? So one way of doing that is to ask them, well, what can you do about that? Because it's a loaded question that there is a way that they can deal with it. And I think great stories help facilitate that bravery within the child. Because if you relate the child's struggles to a story that they know, hopefully it's a, the hero's journey, which is one of the archetypal stories, where the, the hero ventures out into the unknown and figures out a plan <clears throat> and develops bravery while confronting the ultimate fear. <clears throat> excuse me it's like the harry potter story if they can connect to the harry potter story and, <clears throat> and you can make that connection for them man that'll go a long way so lillian i have a video on my youtube channel about fear right so when type in the anxiety project and then fear and then I have a video and i talk about the harry potter story i talk about him confronting the dementors and how this builds on his bravery. And by the end of the movie series, man, that guy's confronting Dementors like it's nothing. It's still fearful to him, but his bravery overpowers the fear. He knows how to handle that. So with a child, just they don't know. You have to sit with them, ask them the right questions. How how can you go about that? Well, what can you do about that? Okay, and the child will go, well, I could, you know, they'll try and work out because you don't want to steal their victory. They have to develop the bravery within themselves. And I would recommend sit with your emotions, ask them, where do you feel the emotions? Draw a picture of what, how you feel and the situations pertaining to the the negative emotions, and then take them on a hike, go out in nature. This is something very, very useful for me. When I'm dealing with, with problems, I separate myself from the TV, from my regular day-to-day -day duties. I go on a hike, and I talk to myself, and I'm like, okay, Brad, you know, let's spend some time here. How do how are you feeling? How are you going to get through this? What do you need to do? And then once I go on that hike, I come out. I'm like, you know, I feel better. I used up some of that stressful energy on the hike. And then I was able to flesh out the winged chaos of the problem. And now I feel a little bit better. And that's where I'm going to leave you on this podcast episode. Thank you for the great questions. Thank you for a great 2023. I'm excited. Things are growing. We are growing together and let's continue to grow. And I want to hear about your successes. 
now going into 2024. Rise above anxiety, everyone. I'll see you next time. Brad's Powerful Anxiety Recovery Program is now available at unpluganxiety.com. The Anxiety Project Program is downloadable and puts the power of anxiety recovery in your own hands. Visit unpluganxiety.com for more details. Recovery starts now.